You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 203, covering For the Uniform and In Purgatory's Shadow. Hello, friends. Hey, everybody. I don't know why I said it like that. Hey, so Uh, guess who had a good week? We did. We had a good week. Yes, we did. That's my guess. Did I guess right? Yes, 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 you did. Yeah, this is like... good guessing, my friend. uh, One listener mentioned to me on Twitter earlier this week, and I feel like other people have mentioned this as well. Hey, you said this is where the show's starting to get great. What what, what gives? It's kind of boring. Apart from the Tribble thing, kind of boring. Well, we showed you. Well, this week. Watch the episodes yet? Yeah. Have you? Go watch and, them. And next week, because we leave off on a huge cliffhanger this week. Uh, yeah, we do. Which is fantastic. We usually, like the mid-season ones, usually break down so that we do them both at the same time. It's rare that we break them up this way. Mm-hmm. And it's nice, because uh, I watched the first part with Amanda, and she's like, okay, let's watch the second part. And I'm like, nope, can't do nope. that. I don't want to get confused and tell people things that haven't happened yet. And... Sorry, you're just going to have to wait. Yeah. Like everyone else. You know, God we, damn it. We watched this 15 years ago, and we watched it many times since, but still, you know. Yep. But I want to watch it now. I want to rock right now. I'm a man and I came to get down. (laughs) Things your wife is all the time saying. Yep. She will be on next week, actually, for that second part. So look forward to that. Um, While I remember it, because I always forget things like this, our promotion uh, with the uh, Drunken Time Travel crossover is still happening. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be recording that in a few weeks, and if you want free stickers... Which you can uh, have. Which you can have. Stickers that are a uh, uh, delightful cartoon representation of inside jokes from this show and from their show. Mm-hmm. Uh, all you got to do is email us, postatomichorror at gmail, uh, with your address. That's it. We will not read your address on the show. Uh, if you want to send us a question or a comment, you can. If yes. you just want to send us your address and say, give me stickers, that's fine, too. Mm-hmm. We just want to hear from you. That's all. Yep. And I got the stickers yesterday. They're in my hands right now. I'm looking at them. They're 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 delightful. Here, you can listen to them. You don't have them, Matt. That's that's you just poking your microphone, isn't it? No, no, it's stickers. Oh, all right. What do, what do they say then? Uh, this one says post atomic horror. Nope. And this one says drunken time travel. And then there's some pictures that are humorous, and some inside jokes. All right, your story checks out. <laughs> In any event, if you want to do that, the, the time is drawing near. We will be recording that, I believe, two weeks from this recording. So le- yep. in less than two weeks from when you hear this. Yep. So get those uh, get those emails in now. Uh, if you'd rather write to them for whatever reason, it's drunkentimetravel at Gmail. Either yep. way. Like if you yes. have maybe more of a Doctor Who question, you could send yep. it to them. You still got time, but not a lot of time. So. Yeah, don't and don't put it off to the last minute because only jerks do that. Yeah, what are you a jerk? Uh, ah. Say say the two guys who wrote their summaries ten minutes before we turned on Skype. <laughs> Both of us did that this time. Doing our homework on the bus as ever. It's like I was going to send you a thing saying that, but I was too busy writing my summary. So. Yeah, and I was like, oh god, I usually don't wait this long. At least, and then I opened the dog and it's like. Matt Robotham is editing as well. Like, oh, good. <laughs> I don't feel so bad. He did it too. Yep. Okay, so the first episode up is called For the Uniform. And it goes a little something like this. We joined Cisco in a daring undercover mission to capture his arch nemesis, Michael Eddington, who betrayed him a year ago. But I don't need to tell you this. 
He hasn't talked about anything but that for the past year. It's all he was thinking about when he went back in time and met Captain Kirk. It was his primary focus when all that profit knowledge was bouncing around in his brain. We might as well call this the Cisco is Obsessed with Eddington show for all the focus that's stolen away from literally everything else. So he runs into his incredibly well-established enemy at a Maquis camp, specifically what appears to be the factory where they make all those fucking barrels we see at every rebel encampment ever. Eddington reminds Cisco that the Maquis aren't killers, then beams away and nearly destroys the Defiant, potentially leaving the entire crew stranded in space. Well, technically the unforgiving vacuum would be what kills them, not the Maquis. Fuming, Ben returns home, only to discover that he's been taken off the case, lousy chief. Turns out Starfleet thinks he's going a bit Commodore Decker, so they put some other guy on Eddington's trail. The other guy naturally fails almost immediately, and this puts Cisco back in the game. Except the Defiant's still mostly broken after that brutal attack from the peace-loving Maquis, so they have to do stuff like relay messages through Cadet Nog, and pump their own water, and chop their own wood, and... I don't know, whittle their dinner. <laughs> It'll build character, says Cisco, who we must remember is also a dad. <laughs> so they go after Eddington again, and Eddington continues to taunt them using the new holographic communicator. This, according to one of the production guys and also regular post-atomic horror guest Flonk, is the worst invention Starfleet has ever come up with! Apparently making it look like two people in a conversation are standing in the same room, as opposed to using a video phone like so much Dick Tracy, is just an awful, awful idea. Which is weird, because I think it makes these dramatic tauntings that much more dramatic, but what do I know? Eddington compares the obsessive Cisco's behavior to a book, and we all cringe for the inevitable Moby Dick reference. But he's actually talking about Les Miserables, which, honestly, I didn't even know was a novel. I thought it was just a shitty musical. Or, as they say on my planet, a musical. <laughs> anyway, we all know how this story ends. Eddington escapes because Cisco lets his obsession get the better- Wait. That's not how it ends at all. No, Cisco genocides a Maquis planet and threatens to keep doing it until Eddington surrenders. So he does surrender because, Jesus Christ, Starfleet captains don't do stuff like that. I know, isn't it great? Yeah, it is. <laughs> this was fucking awesome. This is, okay, you, you ever wonder how Cisco is different? I mean, we know, but really, on paper, you ever wonder how Cisco is different from Kirk or Picard? Here you go. <laughs> My um, I was at my dad's this weekend, and uh, we were watching some show. I forget what it was, where they were talking about Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And one guy goes to the other guy, you know, it's like, oh, that's the old co question, Kirk or Picard? My dad goes, Picard. I'm like, Cisco. He's like, who? <laughs> who? Yeah. I mean, I, I get that not everyone's watched this show. We've talked about that before, but really, he's not even aware of it? Yeah, apparently. And I mean, he's like, watched Deep Space Nine, so... Uh, yeah, and, and the thing is, I get that, you know, your dad and most people's dads are not nerds. Yeah. They might not know the Gamma Quadrant or the Changelings, but yeah. you think you might know the main guy on the show, at least. See, I worry that if it was Stargate, he'd know all about it. Uh, I just, My I dad's this... big Stargate fan. Well, I mean, you know, I know nothing about Stargate. I was about to make a disparaging reference, and the, hon the, the honest truth is I saw that, that first movie, and I thought it was kind of a okay, like, sort of B-movie, and mm. that's all I know about it, so. Well, I have watched Stargate, and it's boring. It, it seems like it probably is, but I don't know. And there are several spinoffs, so maybe one of them's good? Yeah. I, don't I mean, know. law of averages, right? I don't know. My, my, um... My barometer for is something sort of mainstream known is, like... Do your parents know it? Mm -hmm. Usually, I just say moms because it sounds easier, but dads yeah. also. Like, do, does your dad know what it is? Okay, then most people probably know what it is. Because mm -hmm. moms and dads are out of touch. That's just how it goes. I mean, yep. I'm I'm at that age now, unfortunately. Yeah, so, sorry about that. While I'm not a dad, I still kind of fall into that. Do, do, do people my age know about it? Well, then it must be mainstream. 
Are you on the Facebook yet? Uh, no. That's uh, that's the thing that's like LinkedIn, right? Only yeah. Only my mom is on it. It's your MySpace. Yeah, of course. No, I was I was trying to go more more obscure than MySpace. Anyway, because you're not in a band. Yeah, well, that I'm aware of anyway. That, well, not officially. Anyway, um, no, th this this episode is fantastic, and yeah, it is. While I made a bunch of jokes about uh, you know Eddington, like yeah, he's nobody remembers Eddington. He was in one like he he became a villain in one episode a year ago, like. Seriously, it, what he did make for a great villain. Yeah. And this he, is basically your good thing, right? Yeah, basically. I love hating this guy. He's just, he's so certain that he's this great big hero fighting the evil empire and defending the rights of men to live free everywhere. But then he just goes and genocides a bunch of planets. Well, this is really the Maquis in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. They think they're heroic, but it's really just, uh, first of all, we get, like, as we say every time the Maquis come up, they offered you a solution. Shut up. Yeah. But and second, they mention that again in this episode. It's like we, when uh, when he shows Cisco all these people living in squalor, Cisco's just like, "We offered them a planet." Yeah, you don't have to live here. And uh, Eddington's like, "They didn't want that planet. They want their planet." Well, tough. There's an old uh, people kids in, in the hell hall. want ice water. There's a. Uh, they still have that expression. Yeah. Oh Christ! In the future. All right. In the future. <laughs> wow. They still have that expression. Please, um, please tell me you're going to put the echo on your voice. Of for course that. I am. Um, there's an old kids in the hall sketch where uh, Bruce McCullough is very angry that his waiter hasn't brought the check yet. Uh -huh. And he's like, I'm sorry, sir. I'll bring it now. He's like, no, forget it. Don't bring it now. I don't want it now. I wanted it five minutes ago. <laughs> and the whole gist of the sketch is, well, I, I literally can't do that, sir. I can fix it now, but I, I'm sorry. The damage is already done. <laughs> and he just gets madder and madder that he didn't have it five minutes ago. And this that's the Maquis. Yep. No, we don't. We don't want that solution. We want something different. Yeah. Why don't you travel back in time and fix it? I know you can do that, Starfleet. Yeah. Yeah. We don't care about your problems that much. We don't want to fix it because this treaty solved a lot bigger problems than where you're going to live. Yeah. Like. <laughs> how you're going to live on this on this crappy colony as opposed to this new crappy colony. Yeah. I just. Ah. Uh, just hate them. But that said. Eddington is by far the best Maki character we've gotten. Yeah. And, and he, he represents a decent sort of like, you know, face for the Maki. He is. Like and when the, when when all this bullshit's coming out of his mouth, you can almost buy it. Well, he definitely has a relatable perspective, but also he's so smug about it and mm -hmm. so just like uh, like you want Cisco to punch him. Oh yeah. He's got a very punchable face. And when he's a... just call when he's just calling Cisco up, hey, did you read that book I sent you? Because you're that guy in it. Mm -hmm. Do you get it? Do you, do you do get you... it? Yeah, he he ruined his life being obsessed. Look, this is my thing this week. Okay, you're gonna go away one way or the other, and I'm gonna go on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. Just shut up. But um, there's a, there's a bit where Cisco's so mad, like Eddington got away and they took him off the case, and he's just wailing on a punching bag while he's talking to Dax, and it's yep. just like he's got this anger that. That only Avery Brooks really can carry, like mm -hmm. just this intense, like Jesus. That's the other thing too, because like I, in your notes you talk about how like you know, and in your summary too, it's just like, well, if Eddington's such a big deal, you know, it hasn't come up since he disappeared. Yeah. But he he has this great speech about just how like I he was so close and I didn't see it. I like I never caught on that he was this fucking traitor. 
Yeah, and that's we talked about that last time, and I think our angle of really understanding and and like enjoying it was mm. that he was the quiet guy who's secretly crazy political. Yeah, exactly. And but once you've looked behind that door, now he's all about it. Yeah. But before, when he had to hide it, it's like I never knew. And you know, like every office has a guy like that. Oh, absolutely. Every every workplace, I would say, like any you know, you have a coworker who's like building pipe bombs and thinks he's going to bring down the government or. Mm. Or, you know, whatever, like not specifically that position, but he's some crazy extremist and he just keeps it to himself and he's probably not going to do anything about it. Yep. But every now and then they do because it's always, you know, he was so quiet. He kept to himself. Like that's that's it. That's the cliche, but it's true. Then he blew up a school. Yeah. That's typically when that happens. That's what it is. Shot the president. Right. Um, Whoops. Sorry about that. (laughs) It's but it's 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 great because, yeah, I was not convinced. And then Cisco gives that speech and I was convinced. Yeah. He's like, I, I just ah, uh, he he was here and I didn't see it. And I promoted him. I had I took him to a baseball game, for God's sake. You know, I only that's do that with my, guys I like. That's my thing. I don't do that with everybody. I do it with guys I kind of like. Looks like I really dropped the ball. Ugh. Benjamin, you have to get a new joke. <laughs> Do Jeez. I? I think I don't have to. I'm the captain. <laughs> uh, I can keep making whatever damn jokes I feel like. Mm. If you don't like it, I'll demote you. So, <laughs> I don't have anything to say to that. I was like, <laughs> I was trying to build on that. I was like, no, that, that pretty much gonna, covers it. <laughs> gonna put Nog in charge of you all now. How do you yeah. like that? So, the Nog thing. Yeah. All right. Okay. I, I do like... We're always hearing about how this ship is broken and we can't do this or that. But this is one of the first times we see what that means. Like, mm-hmm. they can do this, they can do that. There's all this, like, they have to manually relay messages and stuff. I think that's great. Oh, yeah. And I think, like, you got a cadet here who's, hey, he's got to do the shit detail. He's the one relaying the messages. But they play up the stupid Ferengi ear thing again. Well, we got to give it to somebody who can hear us. Uh, yeah, no, we get it. The big ears. Ears. <laughs> It actually, it uh, it had a real Battlestar Galactica vibe to it for me. Like, that sort of, like, it's the future, but it's still, like, old technology. Like, it's very yeah. submarine Well, and that was the thing about Battlestar Galactica, was the reason that ship survived the attack was that it was so, mm. like, antiquated that the modern attack didn't work on it. Yeah. And, like, that was inherent in the in the setup, and I think that really worked on that show, and that's, that means the shittiest ship is the one that's still around exactly for that reason. Yep. And in this case, it's like, yeah, we always heard the Enterprise was broken, and LaForge couldn't deliver this, or Scotty couldn't deliver that, but it's always like, everything looked normal still. Yeah, they just did it, though. Yeah, it's but like, here Captain, we see... I can't, I can't do it. Well, you're gonna have to do it. Well, I guess I did it, then. Or it's like, okay, this system is down, but it has absolutely no effect on on what you see, what the drama is at all. Yeah. But here it really did. Mm-hmm. It was like, okay, so there's um, there's people just like having to, to chatter and run around. And it's that busyness thing that we always liked about the original Enterprise. Yeah. And it was great. It was fantastic. Uh, but again, the Ferengi ear thing, like, ugh. again with that? Mm-hmm. Every week, it's like, well, he could do it, because he can hear. Yeah, you know, Ferengi, they can hear really well. Ugh, whatever, With their man. giant ears. Mm-hmm. So, okay, my bad thing. Are, are your bad thing and my good thing tie together, so we're gonna, I'm going to hold off on that for a second. All right. Uh, at, at the beginning of the episode, Cisco is undercover looking for Eddington. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he not the face of the man in this entire, like, sector? 
Like, yeah. he's not a good guy to send on that mission at all. Like, really, the Badlands are near DS9. We know that. Mm-hmm. Like, Voyager stops at DS9 before it goes to the Badlands. It's it's the last Starfleet outpost before you go there. Yep. It's close. So everyone hanging out there, all the Maquis guys got to know, this is one Starfleet guy who's not just passing through in a ship. He lives here. He's the main guy. Yeah. Like... You know, you expect to see his face on all the Maki propaganda posters, like, watch out or he'll take you in your bed. Right. And then there's a, like, a stylized picture of a giant Cisco head looming over, like, some people working hard or something. Yeah. Or, watch you know, out. Loose ships, loose lips sink Cisco, or <sighs> I don't know. Uh, and ignoring all that, he's also God to an entire planet of people. Yep. An entire planet of people who live over there. Who are also uh, enemies of the Cardassians often. Yeah. And probably therefore sympathetic. Mm-hmm. So there's probably some Bajorans in the Maquis. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's like, hey, I'm pretty sure that guy over there is Jesus. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't, like, kill him. Also, yeah. he's not very well disguised. So, yeah, there is also that. It mm-hmm. just, it feels like, and, and we've talked about this a lot, where they send Starfleet guys in to do incognito things, where it's really, maybe they're not the best guys for yeah. that. Maybe, uh, maybe send Kira on something like that. She's used to dealing with rebel people. She can speak the language. She's probably still fairly well known, though. Yeah. Well, you really I'd need like to go down Kira. the ranks a bit. Yeah, but then we're getting out of, like, people. I know. <laughs> send Nog. <laughs> He'll be able to hear them whispering about people. Plus, nobody's going to believe that a Ferengi's in Starfleet. A Ferengi that's three feet high. Well, also that, yes. How are you in Starfleet? I mean... Well, well you know. <laughs> On the other hand, I, I do like that Cisco saw Eddington face-to-face. Mm-hmm. But, like, that kicked this all off. Like, I do like it dramatically. Yeah. I just don't like it logistically. Oh, I just want to punch you in the, your stupid giant face. Well, you can't. I'm pointing a disruptor at you, and now I'm going to make you look at those people. Look at them. Look, look at, at them. them. Can you see what they're doing? Yeah. They're homeless. You probably should have ta- They probably should have taken us up on that home we offered them. Yeah, giant houses that we just said, here, come live here. Yeah, going to set you up with a real sweet gig. If you lived on that planet, you'd be home by now. <laughs> Okay, so let's talk about our complimentary uh, your bad thing and my good thing. Mm-hmm. My my good thing is, okay, so at the end of the, okay, in the middle of the episodes, uh, Eddington sets off, like he's stolen some chemicals, he sets off a thing uh, in the atmosphere of one of the uh, Cardassian-occupied planets that he thinks humans should be living on. Uh-huh. Uh, that is poisonous only to Cardassians. Specifically, it's a chemical where humans can live there just fine. Presumably all the indigenous creatures and stuff are fine yeah it's only harmful to cardassians Makes and your spoon rot off yeah and so the cardassians like uh, evacuated in a panic they're all fine he doesn't actually kill any of them no uh but it's it's going to kill them if they stay there uh near the end cisco's like you know what this guy thinks i'm the villain that's the only way i'm gonna get him to surrender is if i i go too far and make him realize yeah. that he's got to sacrifice himself. So you think I'm the bad guy, huh? Well, I can work with that. Yeah, and he goes further than anybody ever. Like, he completely steps over the line and, gen- like, effectively genocides a planet full of uh, Maquis. Where yeah, he, he makes it completely unlivable for them. For humans. For humans. So that everything else there is fine, and, you know. And, of course, Starfleet um, doesn't know about it. No. But, and, and Eddington's like, what? What are you doing? You can't. You 
you're a Starfleet captain, for God's sakes. You can't just poison an entire planet. Oh, but it's okay if you do it. Well, yeah, I'm the hero. <laughs> it's just, it's so... Yeah, that like, sounds Cisco, like some real heroic you did there, buddy. Cisco, and, and he's like, uh, Mr. Worf, we're going to the next planet. Prepare two more torpedoes. <laughs> and I, I, all credit to the dude who plays Eddington. While the character was hardly ever there, like, when he's here, he is so good. Oh, yeah. He goes through, like, every possible emotion from... From his smugness to absolute horror to like, oh God, I guess I'm defeated, and just he 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 pulls it off really well. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't think that would have worked as well on a on a view screen. I think having him standing there worked way better. Yeah, absolutely. No, the the the, the being able to have them both in the same room yelling at each other. Yeah, it's so good for the episode. I agree. Like it may like it makes it more um it makes it more exciting in a way that you know just yelling at a dude's face on a on a big screen just wouldn't work. Well, and there are certain angles of the view screen where you can't even see the other guy. Yeah. You just see Cisco yelling, you know, frontwards. Yeah. No, that it's, doesn't it's, really help. It's really cool. Yeah, it is. Um, but, okay, so I think Cisco going too far and showing just how far he would go for this is amazing. Oh, yeah. No, it's awesome. But it sort of feeds into your bad thing. Uh, the problem there is um, no one seems to give a shit that Cisco drastically changed a planet. Like, he completely ruined a planet. Well, ruined now, it he, for humans, well, yes. Look, he ruined it. He ruined it in a way where it's beneficial to these people who have just been like had to leave their homes. But he still ruined a planet. Well, they're not supposed to be there. Yeah. Like they wouldn't leave. They're supposed to leave and they wouldn't leave. He just mm -hmm. made them leave. Yep. I just I feel like that <laughs> there there should probably be, you know, maybe a letter from Starfleet saying how Wait, you did what? Yeah. No, I agree look, with you we there. Wanted you to look, we wanted you to evacuate the planet of the Maquis, but, like, wow. Yeah. Um. No, I'm, I'm with you there. Like, somebody somewhere should have been the conscience and said, hey, you did something way wrong here. And, like, my first thought is, like, well, no, okay, so the Cardassians can live there. What about all the stuff that lives on that planet? No, I'm pretty sure it's fine. I'm pretty sure this stuff, whatever it is, is specifically poisonous just to humans and nothing else. Kill off a rare species of panda bears or something that live down there. Ah, fuck pandas. <laughs> but no, they kill off one thing, which then, of course, like has repercussions across the entire yeah. ecosystem and so forth. Yeah, that would be terrible. It just it seems like, it seems like a big deal, and at the end of the episode, they're just laughing about it. Well, Dax is like, "Wow, you really fixed that." Yep. <laughs> Like he's still pretty intense, but yeah, yeah, she she laughs it off a bit. Well, I um, guess you uh, really ruined that planet. Huh? Yeah, it's fine. It's what they get for fucking with me. They won't do that again, will they? That's the thing. It's it's sort of like um, like Nixon allegedly took this uh, stance with Vietnam, which is like he would t go crazy too far mm -hmm. because he he figured that they would respect his strength and fear the madman. Yeah, and that I mean. Right or wrong, that is a tactic. Yeah, that's true. And that's what Cisco's doing. Like, they're, you know, they ain't gonna fuck with me again. No. Like, that's a thing, that's a, that's a strategy. <laughs> it's like, maybe we should start picking on, uh, on Voyager instead. Yeah, well, yeah. Much but, less likely to, uh, ruin a planet. I don't, I couldn't say, we haven't gotten there yet, but, uh, also From not really From what I remember easy. of Janeway, she's not a planet ruiner. Uh, not, not real easy for them to, uh... To, to, to earn their attentions there, given that they're very, very far away. True. But in any event, um, 
yeah, this this showed like it didn't just get Eddington to surrender; it also got the Maquis to say, "Oh shit." Well, that guy maybe maybe he's not so harmless as the other Starfleet guys. Maybe we should have just taken the planet. Yeah. Remember the planet they offered us? Yeah. Maybe we should have taken it. No, we're gonna get our planet back. <laughs> I don't want that one anymore. He ruined it. But I like that the solution at the end is for the Cardassians and the humans to swap planets. Yep. Which is exactly what should have happened anyway. Well, you go here, you go here. This will be fine. Yep. No, it's pretty great. Ugh. Uh, there's a point where Eddington uh, is apparently trapped and puts a bunch of Cardassians at risk and leaves Cisco to either chase him or rescue the innocent people. Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, well, he's seen an episode of Superman before. Yeah. The Lex Luthor defense. Yeah, that's how people always escape Superman. Is like, oh, uh, go save these innocent people because you think they're so important and I don't. Yep. Yep. Whatever. Sorry, Eddington, you're going to need to shave the rest of your precious hair off if you want to be Lex Luthor. <laughs> Listen, you got to lead into that. That's what I did. <laughs> There's an ancient Earth proverb. Only Bruce Willis could shave his head. <laughs> Ah, uh, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to be in two crappy Die Hard movies. Is he? Sure. Is Avery Brooks in a Die Hard movie? Nobody should be. Oh. It'd be All awesome. Right. Fair enough. Um, there, There's a great bit where uh, Cisco comes back to the station, the, the Defiant's all broken, and he's being taken off the thing, and, and uh, O'Brien says, yeah, it's going to take a while to fix the ship, and then he leaves. And Odo's like... Uh, be sure to remind Starfleet that <laughs> somebody thought having Eddington was a bad idea. You remember who that was? That was me. No, it's even better than that. Uh, Captain, uh, by any chance have you mentioned about how uh, Eddington was brought here specifically to make sure I wasn't a spy? Uh, no. Maybe you should. Yeah. Because maybe it's... you should remind them what I said and who ended up actually being the bad guy and who has saved their asses more than once. Uh-huh. Thanks, uh -huh. Odo. You're welcome. Shit. Now, if you'll excuse me, Quark! <laughs> yeah. Uh, anything else? Um, a really good episode. Yeah, it was. And the thing is, it could have been not great. Like, like pulling out a character that's barely appeared and making him Cisco's archenemy like, could have been not great. The Maquis, again, could have been not great. But there were some things in this that just made it fantastic. Well, see, that's the thing. Like, and we talked about this. Setting Eddington, like, they had... They really kind of whizzed playing Eddington up, Eddington up as a bad guy down their legs. Yeah. And yet it's still, like, the, this whole episode still still feels earned, you know? They do a great job of, you know, setting him up in this episode. Well, I don't feel like they whizzed anything down their leg. What I feel like is my memory was that he was a great villain. Mm -hmm. My memory was correct. I just had the timeline wrong. Mm. It he, They set him up at that first surprise reveal, and... In retrospect, I think it was better for that to be a surprise reveal. Like, that guy? That bland guy in the background? I guess that's true, yeah. That, that was I feel the... like if, if Barkley turned out to be evil. Yeah, exactly. Except Barkley had some interesting stuff about him. Whether mm. whether we agree on whether that's likable is another issue, but, but he had some character stuff. Eddington had not, like, prior to his, the reveal that he's a traitor, could either of us really say three adjectives that describe him? Well... He, he, while he was working for them, he still betrayed them, if you'll recall. Oh, that's true, but that that was... Okay. And if I recall, he's here to make friends. Yes. 
Okay. I am here to make friends. So that's two things that describe him. Can you name a third? Um, not, not much of that is about his personality, exactly. No, that, just about stuff that he did. That's true. Like, all, like, there's so many extended characters in this ensemble. Mm-hmm. So many background guys. I probably know more about Morn. Oh, definitely. Than I know about Eddington pre, uh, pre-betrayal. Yep. For one thing, he can't shut up. Right. But we don't know that much about Eddington. And that the thing is, at the time when it happened, we, we both agreed that's actually, like, kind of cool because it came from out of nowhere. Mm. But, like I say, I, I held it against it for a while because I thought, oh, well, they didn't really set him up as this villain. How was he a good villain? But they, yeah. they did. Yeah, it, it, it works. It totally works. All right, so my quote is... Yeah, please. So, yeah, um, Cisco... Uh, Eddington sends Cisco Les Miserables, and, uh, and Cisco's already familiar with it, which is cool. I like that he's read it. And, actually, there is a character who doesn't like old Earth stuff. Uh, Dax says, yeah, yeah, I've read it, but... Uh, and then she says this. Les Miserables? You know it? I can't stand Victor Hugo. I, I tried reading The Hunchback of Notre Dame but I couldn't get through it. It was so melodramatic, and his heroines are so two-dimensional. Which I, I really like. On the other hand, uh, big fan of the Disney musical. <laughs> uh, I, I like that they gave it a happy ending. Nobody died. In Les Miserables? No, in uh, Hunchback. Oh, okay. Very I don't well. think there will, I don't think they've done an animated version of Les Mis. Well, maybe by the 24th century they will have. Oh, yeah. I don't know. All right, so on to the... they call they call it uh, miserable with an exclamation point. Oh. No, it'd be like the Lion King where they call it something entirely different, but it's obviously still that story. Oh right, no, they call it Hamlet. Right. <laughs> you haven't experienced Hamlet until you've seen the musical. I've <laughs> experienced Hamlet until you've seen it in the original Lions. <sighs> All right, so moving forward to the episode that really starts pushing this show into the area that we've been promising for ever so long. Uh huh. An episode that sounds like something Sideshow Bob would say when he's angry. In Purgatory's shadow! Yes. How can you still be alive? <laughs> Take it away, Matt. Alright, so a listening post in the Gamma Quadrant picks up an encrypted message written in a Cardassian code. And since we've got that Cardassian spy lying around not doing anything, we might as well put him to use, right, Garrick? So Garrick takes one quick look at the code, tells everyone that it's a recipe for Cardassian brownies, and then tries to steal a runabout. Nothing suspicious there. Julian busts in at the last minute, and Garrick admits that, admits that okay, it's actually an old Cardassian code that only I and my surrogate father figure out, so I gotta go check that out. Cisco agrees, but sends along Worf as a chaperone, because he knows how much Worf likes the greasiest characters on DS9. The runabout's in the Gamma Quadrant for about six minutes before they encounter every Jem'Hadar ship that ever there was. And while Garrick's cover story that they're just in the Gamma Quadrant to look at pretty nebulas holds up for a little while, it eventually collapses and they're sent to a Dominion prison planet. And there are so many interesting people to meet here. The real, genu the real General Martok's here, and he's a great guy. And so's an Eberin Tane, Garrick's dad. We all thought he was dead. And there's Julian! Wait, what? Yeah, it turns out our old friend Julian was replaced by changelings around the time of the big uniform changeover. Which means that he missed out on first contact and never got to get drunk with Al's favorite character. <sighs> God damn this war. Anyway, Tane dies, telling Garrick to avenge him, as is the case when all fathers die, and the gang starts preparing to break out of jail. Back on DS9, Sisko and friends attempt to close the wormhole before they're attacked by all the Jem'Hadar ever, and it doesn't work. 
Also, Ducat forbids his daughter from dating a middle-aged gay spy. <laughs> so, yes, the real General Martok, all you other General Martoks are just imitating. Yes. First of all. Would the real General Martok please stand up? Please stand up. Uh, please be stand careful, up. though, because you only have one eye, and uh, <laughs> you might misjudge the distance and fall over. Would the real General Martok please fall down? <laughs> ah! Uh, I, I thought I had another uh, comment here, but no, I don't remember. <laughs> another Eminem joke? Yes. <laughs> no, that's pretty much uh, all the Eminem stuff that I remember. These are all the things I know about Eminem. Yeah. These are the marshals I know I know. <laughs> uh, so this oh. fucking ruled. Yeah, yeah, it totally, totally did. Um, Where wow. to even begin? Yeah. I, I, when I went to make a good thing, it was like, okay, I don't want to steal all of them. Like, it is always the case when you're the first one to watch the episode. Mm -hmm. And it's an episode like this. You're like, this and this and this. Like, every scene between everybody is great. And every, yep. it's just, I, one of the things this show does really well is that impending doom thing where we know something bad is about to happen and we spend 40 of the 45 minutes of everyone just looking over the shoulder and waiting. Yep. And this is one of those episodes where it's just oh. like the invasion's coming. We know it's coming, and it works really, really well. Yeah, you get to see the guys getting ready for the invasion, with knowing that that Jemadar ships are going to start flooding through in about ten minutes. Yeah, and then you see some guys uh, going a little into the other side and seeing all the ships on their way. Oh man, that shot of the runabout! Like they basically enter this nebula and find like I think it's supposed to be fifty Jemadar ships. Uh, hiding out, and it's just like, oh, oh, we're fucked. Yeah, the thing is, sometimes, okay, they're they're not likely to be in this nebula. If they're there, there's going to be three, because they hang out in threes. Yeah. Uh, wait a minute. <laughs> there definitely should not be 51. See, that's divisible by three. Yeah. Uh, all, like, what, what did we, and the thing is, okay, that's a weird coincidence that this place they happen to be just happens to be swarming, but no, it's because these guys are on their way to the wormhole, because as we said previously, there's a big invasion about to happen. Yeah, guess what? The Dominion's sick of waiting around. Yeah, you've gone into their yard for the last fucking time. Now they're <laughs> coming over and they demand to see your dad. Oh, man, they're bringing the Frisbee. Yeah. And all hell's coming with it. Yeah. <laughs> Look, this crashed through my window. I want to talk to your dad right now. Oh, God. Who's the dad of the Alpha Quadrant? I guess I guess that's Picard? Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I, think we, I think that's been long established. Yeah, that's true. But uh, it's it's it all fits together really well because uh, Garrick's on this mission to rescue Tane, mm -hmm. but at the same time, this invasion's about to happen. So it all it all sort of overlaps. Everything kind of crashes into each other. Right, and it's not like a oh what an amazing coincidence. Like no, this no, this is all... actually kind of works. Yeah, it totally does. Mm -hmm. And the reveal that Julian is a changeling. And has been a changeling since before they changed uniforms. Yeah. No, like, that's that's oh, great. That... And if you want to know what we've been talking about in the spoiler section, that's it. Yeah. Like, because we knew a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, we had to read it in Memory Alpha. I think we both forgot. But yeah, it's like, okay. I mean, so... I knew it was coming, but I didn't think it was for another year. Yeah. No, I knew it was coming soon because I knew this Prison Planet episode. The thing is, General Martok, I, I can say this now without really spoiling specific things. General Martok is going to be a major character. Oh, yeah. In the rest of this show. We remember loving this character. And we're halfway through season five, and he's just really, for the first time, showing up. And it's like, wow, really? Mm -hmm. 
and I'm not going to say what he does or, or whatever, because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't seen it yet. But this is a guy who will be a big part of the show from now on. And it's like, wow, how how did he take so long to get here? We we remembered him being so, so big. Yep. And so it's exciting for us now to finally see him to pay off the Tane thing. I was reading they were deliberately closing a bunch of loops so they could open a bunch of new ones. Yeah. So we're, like the 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 Tane Garrick thing and a bunch of other stuff is like okay this, these these subplots are all done because now we're about to start something new. Yeah, we're heading into the very the long ending of DS Nine. Right, and we've said the word war before, so I mean I'm sorry that is a spoiler. There's going to be a war. Yeah. I'm gonna just say that the specific uh, circumstances of it I'm not gonna say. Yeah. See that's the thing. That's how I like. That's just how I identified DS Nine. You know, yeah, like this show in my happened, head, it's this the is a war, war show. show. Yeah, but here we are, well past the halfway point, and it hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just strange that that's what we remember, and it hasn't even happened. Yeah, well, you know, that just means we're getting into some really good. It is. This everything. is where it all happens now, yeah. and that invasion fleet, like that's where we leave off. Is I think that's more ships than we've ever seen at once in any Star Trek movie or show. Yeah. Like, there's, it looks like about 50 ships just pouring out through the wormhole, and everyone's standing there with their jaw on the floor, and then it's yeah. just to be continued, and you're just, just like, oh, like, fuck! Yeah. It's it's pretty amazing. There's actually, I've got the, I've been watching these on, uh, I have the old uh, DVDs. Mm-hmm. And so I've been going through, I don't really look at them, I just sort of check the, uh, whatever the episode is, and just toss them into the DVD player. I was right. looking at them the other day. Um, so the first disc in the fifth season box that has a Jem'Hadar ship on it, mm-hmm. the second one has two Jem'Hadar ships on it, mm-hmm. the third one has eight Jem'Hadar ships on it. <laughs> nice. And they just it just builds up over the six discs until yeah. the the last disc in the set is just covered in Jem'Hadar ships. That's pretty great. Yeah. Also, Cisco a couple of weeks ago had a vision of uh, the 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 sky being filled with locusts. Mm-hmm. And now these sort of bug look, bug like looking ships are uh, filling the sky. So I like that. I like the payoff of like the prophecy actually being a thing. I would love them pouring out of the wormhole, and he just sort of turns away from the window and goes, "Oh, locusts!" locusts. That's it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. And then just go, "Oh shit!" Right. But anyway, the Julian thing. Yeah. Uh, is like I say a thing we've uh, were reminded of a few weeks ago when we were kind of looking for it. And the thing is, Siddig didn't know no. until, like, last week. So he wasn't able to play it, which I think is good, because we've said before, sometimes when he plays evil, he's a bit over the yeah. top. I think he would have overplayed it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> a lot of looking back and forth. Yeah, I think it's better. I'm not evil! Yeah, doing the shifty-eyed evil dog thing. Yep. But I think um, I think it's it makes a better case for the changeling blending in so effectively if he's acting the same way. Well, that's the thing. Like, if... like. If he's been, and this kind of ties into my bad thing, uh-huh. if, you know, if it's been Julian all this time, like, or if, if it's been a changeling all this time, like, you can't suspect it. Otherwise, you start wondering why none of the smart people in the show have noticed. Well, particularly Garrick. <clears throat> like, that's the, that's my thing right there. Like, we were talking about this during the episode. Garrick's job is to, you know, like, spot this kind of crap. Well, spy, it's right in the name. You yeah. have to spy things. He Look is a at spy. them. spy. Right. And he, he he has lunch with Julian yeah, every, every day. day. 
and he's always talking to him and trying to gauge where he's at, like yep. trying to provoke him and trying to test his boundaries and like observing him. Like that's their whole relationship is Garrick seeing how far he can push Julie and see how much he can learn about him and about yep. Starfleet and everything else. And so he's actively studying him mm-hmm. and he still can't figure it out. Like I get that uh, Julian's other best friend hasn't noticed. Oh, he's Miles wouldn't re- notice. He's been really busy lately. Well, that, yeah, he's got a kid, so he's not sleeping much. Yeah. And also he's distracted. Yeah, and I doubt they've had much time for, uh, you know, yeah. their usual uh, their usual tomfoolery. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, like, those are the two guys I would expect to notice Evil Julian. Right. The maybe rest- Dax. <laughs> maybe. But I don't, I don't know. It is it is weird. I, Dax is a little distracted, too. Like, she's got a, a really good relationship going on right That's now. That's true. She's not nearly as flirty with uh, Julian anymore. Right. Um, but I was trying to figure out, like, all we know is that he's been a changeling since, uh, before they changed to the new uniform. Yeah, because we see Julian for the first time in in the new uniform, or in the, uh, in the old uniform. Right, so he obviously was abducted prior to the changeover. I would have loved, there's no way this could have worked with, like, there's no way this would have worked for the show, but I would have loved for the first thing Julian to do is when he sees Worf go, who are you? Right, he's been gone so long. Yeah. Or even, this Julian never made it to DS9. <laughs> the character we've gotten to know for four and a half years. Oh my is, god, that actually, that actually would have worked. Then you could completely, like, when you bring him back, make him a whole other guy if you want. That's what yeah. you do to fix a character. Yeah. Just change him entirely. Well, no, the one you knew was an imposter. Yeah. Oh my god, that would have been amazing. No, but what I was getting at is, we don't know this, it's probably not true, but we don't know that he's not, like, the changeling isn't the one that didn't go to Risa. To break up with uh, Lita. That's true. <laughs> like, Bashir gets back, and he's like, Okay, Lita, let's go make out. Wait. I missed you, Lita. You were the only thing I thought about in all my, in all my months in prison. You're, wait, you're with who? Why? Yeah. Se- seriously? Him? Him? <laughs> uh, so that's, the, but that is a great reveal. Yeah. Like, when we're in the prison, because if you didn't see that coming, you'd be like, whoa, what No, the that, fuck? like, just right in the face. <laughs> and then your second thought is, oh, God, they put a, there's a spy in this prison. <laughs> and no one's given him the memo about the new, oh, no. And then the, the great thing is, then they, like, oh, God, then what's the real Julian doing? And they cut back, and you see him ominously riding the turbo lift up to An Ops. evil grin on his face. And approaching the, the guys, and like, oh, God. And then he hands uh, Dax and O'Brien some sandwiches. I made you some sandwiches! And you realize, of course, because otherwise it would be really stupid to, the minute other characters find out, for him to do his evil thing. Yep. So, no, he's still being nice. Cut the crusts off for off of them for you, Chief. I know how you like your sandwiches. It's fantastic. I just I really like that. And of course, he does start overplaying it a little with the shifty eyes. Well, yes, so. of course, because now we know. Yeah, now we know. And the other thing is, he spends this episode just a little like he he he's off for Julian. Well, when Garrick sneaks off and tries to take a runabout. Uh, Bashir's waiting for him with a phaser. I'm like, that doesn't seem right. Julian does all right. If I didn't know better, I would have said he was acting out of character. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, he is. He's supposed to be. Yeah, so that makes sense. Because the, the invasion fleet's almost here. He doesn't really have to... Uh... No, his plan is to make sure the invasion fleet gets through. Yep. And we see that because he they come up with a way to close the wormhole, and he sabotages it. Like, no, oh, they're getting yeah. through. 
This mm-hmm. is what I'm here for. Yep. Like, I'm just here to make sure those guys, like, I'm not here to actively kill anyone. I'm just here to make sure those guys do their job. Yep. And so that's what he does, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, Yeah, it's it's fantastic. I really like that. Um, I would just love to see the scene with Kira going, the what delivered my baby? Yeah. Well, I was talking to Irish do you Gav. Even ha- do you even have a license, like a license to practice medicine? Oh, no. Why would I need one? I don't even know how solids work. It's a goddamn miracle that thing fell out of you. The thing, I was talking to Irish Gav about this, about how um, Kira's life is like a tabloid right now. Mm-hmm. Like, Bajoran Major pregnant with Earth Baby, and it's not hers. <laughs> Uh, changelings delivered my earth love child <laughs> and then Gav pointed out uh, oh it goes back even further uh, uh, major involved with Frankenstein Beryl mm, <laughs> good, good point so yeah poor Kira just lives in a uh, weekly world news world I guess Yep. well and she did live with Bat Boy for a week yeah but uh, that episode really focused more on, uh, on, on Jake that week so mm-hmm. uh we didn't even notice. Is that a very nice thing to say about Nog? <laughs> well, he needed a new roommate. Bat Boy escapes. <laughs> and joins Starfleet. Did you hear? Have, have you heard? Uh-huh. So my good thing... Yeah, please. ...is, uh, you know, as I said, there's a million things to possibly go for because just so much great stuff happening. Mm. And really, when this show's firing all, on all cylinders, like... You got the the tension of something bad about to happen, but then they also do this great thing where they balance the tension with some levity so that everyone's got kind of a two characters together laughing like they they cut the tension with some humor mm-hmm. and there's a lot of good scenes between two characters just having a laugh like there's a good Dax and Wharf scene where it's like you better come back. Uh, or I'm gonna it was I'm gonna keep your operas I'm gonna lose them or something like that. Yep. Um, and then there's the scene between Worf and Garrick because Worf has to uh, uh, go with Garrick to the Gamma Quadrant to see if Tane's still alive. <laughs> and Garrick's just does doing that Garrick thing, just fucking with him the whole time. <laughs> just like I think I'm gonna join Starfleet. What you? Well, what, sure. Sir? Why not? Why not? I- I was wondering if you might be interested in filling out in uh, being sponsoring my sponsoring my application. Yeah. What? what? No. Well, why not? I mean, a Klingon joined, a Ferengi joined. Why not me? <laughs> I and then I love that he almost gets him too. Yep. If Wait that up. is true, and you're trying to become a better person, then I suppose excellent. And you know, with my spy experience, I could probably just leap ahead to uh, command. You'd be fine with that, right? Me commanding you? You'd call me sir, right? Uh, uh, You motherfucker. (laughs) You never wanted to join Starfleet at all, did you? Nope. Sure didn't. (laughs) Ha ha! Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a great scene. And like I say, there's, there's this thing that they do in these kinds of episodes where it's like the comedy pops a little more because everything's so tense. Yep. They make an extra effort to make the the funny scenes more funny, to balance out the, the oh my the god everything's going down right. the amount of yeah. tension that's also going on. Right, it's it's something the show does really well, mm-hmm. and I think it's exemplified, uh, you know, in that scene. Yes, it's great. Uh, what else? Um, I love my good thing. Mm-hmm. I love that model of the prison. I like the model and I like the set, mm-hmm. like the, great, the exterior uh... shots and then the actual set itself. Yeah. 
It's just, I mean, you know, prison on an asteroid, but goddamn, it looks cool. It does. The asteroid, like, the, you're right, the model looks particularly good. Mm -hmm. Like, it looks like the place we're at. A lot of times those exterior shots do not match where they are, and it's like, I don't understand what that has to do with this. Yeah. Well, the other... Oh, go ahead. It's also like, you know, the interior is amazing, too. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. there's... We're, we're at the point in Star Trek where most of their sets look kind of the same, mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, we're on planet hell, or at that cave again, whatever. But they made it an extra effort to make this a little different. And I think like, looking at it the second time, I think it's because they made it tall. Like yeah. the ceilings are really high and that's all it took. It, yeah. it feels open and that just made it feel different. It looks big and empty. Like you were saying how you were thinking that it was like the it's the Alpha Quadrant prison. Right. Like this is where we got the handful of guys that we took from the Alpha Quadrant. Which actually makes sense. They keep it sort of close to where to, sort of close to the Alpha Quadrant. That actually doesn't make sense. No, because if you've got, like, if that's where, if that's where they're storing all the dudes that they've been replacing. Yeah, that doesn't you know, make if they're sense. Not, if they're not going to kill them, which they should. Right, that, that's they, my thing. Like, if, like, they kidnap Julian, and way earlier they kidnap Martok and replace mm -hmm. them with changelings. They should then murder them. Mm -hmm. Like, why wouldn't they? The only possibility is that they're going to escape, and they're close enough to the wormhole that they can just go back home. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I'm saying. They should keep them as far from the wormhole as possible. But, well, what if we need them? For what? I gotta bring back uh, real Julian, just in case. For what? Uh, you know. No. Just in case. Presumably, if you're at the point where you're ready to replace him, you've studied everything you need to study. It's not like you can go back and consult him for more notes. At, uh, ask the real Julian what the password is for this thing. I can't get into his computer. Right, that's the only possible explanation <laughs> for it. It's like, mm. maybe they still need info, but they don't, and they're not laboring. Nope, they're, they're just, just sort of hanging out, really. Yeah. which Ma uh, Making friends. They're all making friends with each other. I was thinking about how weird of a of a gathering of characters this is. Yep. You got General Martok and Inabrintane and Julian. Hello! They're all friends. Yep. Okay. We've been working hard together. And that Breen who won't get out of bed. Oh, right. Well, look, I've been there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. This is fine. I love the Breen. Yep. They're almost never mentioned, and we know nothing about them, and tiny, tiny spoiler, we're never going to know anything about them. Nope. They, they will get involved in some stuff later, and they're still just a complete mystery. I love that. Yep. They're just... They're just... just it feels like out in space, you shouldn't know everything about all the races. There should be at least one race where it's like, yeah, we know them, but we don't really know anything about them. Just a race of Princess Leia and Return of the Jedis. Excuse me, I think you'll find his name is Bausch. <laughs> it's Star Wars, I don't care. Yeah, I know. Speaking of which, we'll be doing our coverage of the Star Wars <laughs> Holiday Special in a couple of weeks. No, expect, they, they have expect these... a lot of boo. Shut up, Chewbacca. Well, I mean, listen, I love me some Star Wars, and I expect that a lot from me too. From what I boo. understand, boo. Shut up, Lumpy. <laughs> oh, God. Boo. Why don't Shut we talk up, about Itchy. this great thing we saw instead of that thing that we're gonna have to do? Look out, Itchy. He's Irish. <laughs> that I'm gonna that you guys get to get drunk for, and I don't. Oh yeah, that's gonna happen. Yeah. Uh, so what else about this episode? Um, man. Uh, my bad thing. Yes. Okay, so we get a reveal that an Aubertine is literally Garrick's father. Not just his father figure. No. The thing is, it's totally possible, we saw this throughout Next Gen with everyone, to have daddy issues with someone who is not literally your father. Mm -hmm. 
there was no need for that. It was just an extra, like, uh, it's like they felt like they needed to give some weight to the scene, but it already had so much weight. You didn't need that. Mm -hmm. It doesn't like, it was not important. I just, I don't know why they did that. It's, it's the whole, like, I, you know, it's like he treats him like a father figure. Let's just make him his father. Whatever. Why? I don't know. It just, it, it, there doesn't seem to be any point to it. No, there doesn't. It was it was a little disappointing. That said, there's like that a great relationship. Bit. Sorry. Oh, go ahead. That that relationship was already perfect. It was. I you love know? it. I love because Garrick's got to have something. Yeah. He's got and actually, without specific spoilers, next episode we're going to see that he has a weakness as well. Mm. But uh, there's he's he's got to have something you know emotional that gets to him. Yeah. He's got to have a thing. Like, and that's a great thing that he's yeah. actually super insecure because he's looking for the approval of his father figure. Yeah. Just making him the father, like his actual father is just that. Don't make the subtext text, sweetie. Where were you raised? Right. Exactly. It's, um, it, but that said, his final words are, I remember this thing you did when you were four years old. I was proud of you then. And then he dies. And it's like, the implication is, I have never been proud of you since. Yeah, it's been really downhill since then, huh, yeah. son? The, the last 40 years, huge disappointment. But yeah. you did make me proud once. One time. Yeah. You made a hell of a sandcastle, son. Uh-huh. And the cat's in the cradle, silver spoon. Spoon's on his head. Little boy moon. Little boy moon. <laughs> Man in the blue. Whatever. Good night, moon. Good night, cow. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about uh, uh, Ducat a little bit for this. Oh one. yeah, that guy. Uh, so he shows up back on DS Nine. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, you know, they're letting the Cardassians know that uh, yeah, the uh, the Dominion gonna be a problem. Yeah, about to come soon. through that hole, which is very close to where you live. Maybe you should know this. Yeah. So uh, Ducat shows up, finds out about uh, about his daughter and Garrick's relationship question mark yeah i don't know they have been high-fiving a lot i know that much <laughs> the thing is okay he's got a relationship with julian as much as we joke they've never said they're involved no so i mean it could just as easily be he has dinner with her and that's it yeah but, i could definitely honestly and we talked about this when she first showed up and took an interest in him yeah. this could easily just be him screwing with ducat because he fucking hates him yeah, in fact, he says when Ducat comes and physically threatens him, like dangles him over a balcony, uh, Garrick says, go ahead, kill me. She's going to hate you for the rest of her life if you do that. Yeah, she'll love that. Yeah, go on. Just right in front of her. There's no chance you can lie your way out of this. She'll watch yeah. you do it. It'll be worth it. And then hate you. So go ahead. Do it. Come on. <laughs> Just so perfect. Come on. Yeah. So, but what I love is the way Ducat... Just he he goes and he goes to yell at Kira. Yeah, it's like Major. I How gave, did you let this happen? I gave you specific instructions when I left, not to watch out for my daughter. And I get back, and what's happening? She's fucking that, <laughs> Major. the The best part is he says, "How could you do this to me?" Yeah. And is... Kira's like, wait, 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 wait a minute. First of all, I did, I, I agreed to watch her to keep her away from you. Yeah. And because I care about her as a person, it has nothing to do with you apart from the fact that I think going off with you was a bad idea. Mm -hmm. Like, this isn't about you. Second of all, wow, do this to you? Yeah. 
it's, I just, it's such a Ducat thing to say. It's like it's like we keep saying, you know, just when you think you've got him figured out, he starts. He, he's an asshole again. Yeah, because he's gone up and down a bit, and he's been more relatable this season than usual. But yep. yeah, he also has a great line where uh, Kira's first reaction to "How could you let this happen?" is like, "What? I let I, she goes to Temple. She's part Bajoran." No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not talking about your bullshit backwards ass stupid religion. I'm talking about something important. I, I love that. Just like, look, she's half Bajoran, Major. I knew she'd take an interest in your weird bullshit eventually. There's he, nothing he says, I can do about that. He says, like, backwards superstition. Like, he's he's really harsh about it in a oh, very yeah. casual, like, racist grandma way. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, those people. Yeah, exactly. Wow, really? Oh, th- that stuff. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Seriously? Yeah, it's, it's pretty harsh. Oh, I like I'm it. sorry. Did you not know I was racist, Major? <laughs> I, I, well, it I'm, seemed to like Bajoran women. I like I racist for the good of the Bajoran people, though. Oh, of so, course. Just so you know. They're like my children, believing in weird boogity men. <laughs> Incidentally, I would love to hear Gul Dukat say boogity men. Boogity men, Major. Mm-hmm. I realized in this one that it's he's sort of an a sinister emo Phillips. <laughs> he yep. stretches out all his words like this. It's- just call me Mr. Butterfingers, <laughs> Major. Like, I'm still not doing the voice right, but that's that's the cadence. And he said to me, I want a Batmobile, Major. <laughs> the Batmobile lost its wheel, Major. Little bit. I don't know why he screamed so much when I hung them over his head. <laughs> the uh, only emo Phil- Phillips joke I know. Yeah. I, I mostly only know him from UHF. Yeah, that's I have understandable. Seen... He's fucking you. He's fucking emo Phillips. Yeah, I mean, I I have seen his stand up, but I don't remember much about it. Anyway, why on earth are we talking about emo Phillips? <laughs> and special Star Trek guest star emo Phillips. <laughs> emo Phillips and Grand Moff Tarkin. Ah. <laughs> uh. Special guest next week, Emo Phillips, will be on the show. <laughs> My no. favorite episode of Star Trek. Sounds like you're Kermit. Yup. Kerm- Fuck you, my Kermit's better than that. It's, a, it's not bad. Alright, uh, anything else? Ah, uh, let's see, the cot thing. Um, I, yeah, I think that's everything. Yeah, there's a lot of big stuff happening next week, but... Uh... Trying my best not to say anything about that yet. Mm. So. Uh, so let me roll out my quote. Oh, yeah, what do you got? I got uh, this. You are to avoid Dominion ships at all costs. I want you back here in one piece. What about Garrick? I want him back, too. I suppose I don't have to tell you to keep a close eye on him. At the first sign of betrayal, I will kill him, but I promise to return the body intact. I assume that's a joke. We will see. Well, I assume that was good, but I don't actually know what it is. Forgot to put it in the, uh... <laughs> oh, oh, or write it down at all. Well, good for me. Oh, no, yeah. there it is. Okay. Uh, Worf taking uh, Garrick off to, uh... to, uh, the, uh, the Gamma Quadrant. Ah, very well. Yes. All right, so for those of you who don't know what happens next, the show ends. So, uh, we're gonna go now. And we're back! Yes, except you didn't say your thing. Oh, yeah, sorry. See you, folks. (laughs) 
The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. Okay. And we're back. Here we are again. So the big thing that I was trying, I think I was successful at, is uh, maintaining the illusion that uh, the uh, fleet is coming to invade the Alpha Quadrant. Yes. Specifically they... to attack the station. And, of course, the big reveal immediately is that they're just going to go right past the station. Whatever. Onto Cardassia. Hey, um, hello? Yeah. Oh, like we care about your shitty little station. Isn't anybody going to attack me? <laughs> yeah. It's pretty great. Um, I, but, I mean, that's the big thing, is this is this is where they sign the uh, treaty with the Cardassians. The Cardassians join the Dominion. Yep. It's pretty fucking exciting. Now, I wanted to talk about this briefly, because mm -hmm. um, I, I honestly don't remember. Do, like, has Dukat been setting this all up in the background? It seems like he knows something. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's the one making the negotiations to make this happen. But it could also, like, it could also, in my head, it could also be him worried about the invasion coming. No, I'm pretty sure it's, uh, I'm pretty sure he's the one who makes this happen. I'm pretty sure he went behind the back of the, the government who, mm -hmm. who basically turned their backs on him. Right. Which is why he's been out there being a pirate. Uh, killing Klingons like on his stolen bird of prey, mm -hmm. um, and uh, and and now like he comes back as a hero. Yep. Here I fixed all our problems. Look what I got us. And mm -hmm. everyone's like, Oh God, what? No God, <laughs> what did oh. you do? Yeah. No, I, it'll work out perfectly. And I'll be in charge. And major. they'll all say they'll all praise my name. I did oh, this. Ducat, we're sorry for ever doubting you. <laughs> I did this for the good of the Cardassian people. Major. I'd also like to briefly say, um, I don't know what I'm going to do when, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do for the Ducat voice when, uh, Kira gets her promotion in season seven. Oh, yeah, Colonel. Colonel. It's not quite the same. Go get me a bucket of fried chicken, Colonel. <laughs> and some coleslaw. <laughs> and some biscuits. And some chicken fingers. And some chicken wings. And some potato salad. And one of those frozen cakes. And some macaroni salad. I'm done now. Okay. <laughs> the usual thing I do is to be Dave Seville and to say, Alvin! But this time <laughs> I was just going to let you go and see how long you were going to do. I ran out of stuff that I knew KFC carries. I, I figured you did, yeah. You left out a bunch of stuff. I know, but the, the, a lot of that stuff we don't have up here. And baked beans. And some macaroni and cheese. They have baked beans down there? Do they not have them there? No. Oh, I mean, I wouldn't eat them anyway, but... No, uh, of course not. You think everything's gross. No, I just think baked beans and the human body are gross. <laughs> just those two things. <laughs> um... What else? There was something about the previous episode that I wanted to talk about, and now I don't remember what it was. Oh, the Maquis! <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fact that we're still wringing our hands over the Maquis, and very soon now, uh, we get the Dominion just saying, uh, yeah, we killed them. They're not going to be a problem ever yeah, again. Yeah, that's going to stop being an issue in a minute. Yeah. 
which I think is fantastic. That's clearly one of the writers is like, ugh, enough with this. They got our good thing all picked out for whatever episode that is. Yeah, it doesn't matter what other great stuff is happening in that episode. That's the good thing. If I recall, we just don't hear about the Maki for a long time. Yeah. And then someone mentions in passing the, the, the Dominion wiped them all out. Yeah, and Female Changeling just says, uh, oh yeah, they're gone. Oh, they're all dead. Yeah. Yeah, they're all dead like the Cardassians are all dead. Yeah, you no, did they're... say that last time. No, they're real dead. And also, uh, we saw at least one Romulan in that camp, too. Mm. So it's not like they just kept Tane. Like, there's other guys there. Yep. So, yeah. Some Romulan romming it up. Romming it up. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, brother. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> All right, so that is it. Next week is the exciting conclusion of this two-parter. Uh, yep. Amanda will be joining us, so look forward to that. Yep. And that's all. Say it again, Matt. See you again, folks. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.